Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. We are starting a new series called Proving God. And uh, so we, uh, we were just chatting through, um, this was the first time Owen, up until now, has, has uh, launched the uh, series. They have always followed the series that we've been running a week behind. And this was the first time that they've launched simultaneously with us. And uh, so we were just going through the premise of, of what the series in, uh, entails and, and what we were t- um, preparing for and looking for what God can do in the life of the church. And then we're talking about congregation and, and, uh, and uh, how God is, is growing the church. And uh, it's really exciting in Inverness that the church is growing um, the first time in years and uh, they've got a sense of purpose and excitement and vision. Uh, and, um, and, and what excites me about Inverness is the fact that they, they don't feel alone anymore. Yeah. You've got pastors, they're only catered being pastoring up there for 10 years, but now they're a junction church, they're not alone anymore. They're, they're, um, and even though they were always in INC, INC works as a network, but each church is effectively independent in its own, in its own function, and it would draw upon other pastors and leaders to support them, to encourage them. But... But sometimes you need a lot more than just encouragement. You, you need practical, I'm here for you. And uh, so now we've got people going up and we've got teams. And, and over the summer, we're going to see some of the transition uh, of that whole process of them becoming a fully-fledged Junction Church. And um, some of the whole structural changes are taking place. And we're just seeing God add to the house. We're seeing people get saved. And we're seeing the mission field begin to open up to us. And I know God is just adding to us uh, a season of just excitement and breakthrough again. Isn't that exciting? And, and I, I want you to be, get your hearts ready and, and just decide in yourself, I want an adventure. I want to do something great for God. You know, um, it, what often happens is we get into the rhythm, the pattern of just doing everyday church but uh, and just doing Christian life and, and going to work, coming home, going to church, coming home. You know, it, it, it's okay, but it's not enough. Is it? I don't think it's enough. I think a, a seed of dissatisfaction seems to get into us when we're, when we're not just pushing those boundaries. We're doing something exciting. And so uh, we, we are just planning to just push out the boat and just see what God will do with us as we push into every area, every mission field, begin to go out and see God open up what the, the nation of Scotland, we want to see more congregations planted. We want to see more people healed and saved. We want to go into towns and cities and, and, and see a move of God, touching people's lives, building hope back into them. As we've seen with these kids that are coming up, people are looking for God. Amen? And um, so that's why we're launching this series, Proving God. And uh, I wonder if we can uh, run that... Ch- um, uh, ident, please... Um, what, who's up the back there? I know, yeah. <laughs> Donald. Fantastic. So we're running this series, Proving God. And this is a series which is designed to help us see the evidence of God working in our lives. Now, um, some people like to debate God and debate. There's a, there's a section of um, theology or the process of discussion theology called apologetics. And uh, when I first heard of apologetics, I thought, wow, you've got to say sorry. Um, <laughs> 
So apologetics is the discussion, it's the kind of the, the nitty-gritty scientific discussion of the evidential proof of God, the existence of God, um, and the arguable um, truth of God. Now, some people are good at that stuff because they're really good at arguing. And uh, I'll be honest with you, most of us, the rest of us are not, you know. And uh, the rest of us kind of go on the flow of other people's ability to prove and, and to argue God and to argue his existence and to, and to debate the finer truths. But here's, here's a point, right? When it ultimately comes to the truth, it's very rare for someone to meet with God having been persuaded by an argument. Because an argument just puts someone's back up. You know, it doesn't matter. If, if you're going to argue with me, I don't care whether you're right or wrong, you're wrong. <laughs> because, because you're arguing with me. Full stop. I, I don't want to be argued with, I want to be convinced. And convinced comes from something far more real, comes from something far more relational. And so, what I believe that we need to understand in that in proving God, we are not here to prove God to anybody else, but we are to prove that God is God in us. And that's the most critical conviction that you can have in your heart. If a seed of doubt ever comes into your heart, comes into your life, it comes because you're not fully convinced of the fullness of God in you. But when you are convinced of God in you, there is no debate and no arguing and the reflection of God in you touches and changes other people's lives. And I know that, that we go through peaks and troughs with our, with our lives when we're just aware of His presence and that awareness has impact on other people. You can feel that their lives are being touched not by your persona or charisma or the wonderfulness of your um, aftershave or perfume. <laughs> But their lives are being changed by the supernatural work of God that is emanating from the very pores of your being. And that's the reality of having a conviction and understanding the evidence of God in our lives. But we have to understand, see, see we, are, we don't have to prove God to anyone and we don't have to justify our faith to anyone. That's the most important thing we have to understand first and foremost. It is not up to us to convince anybody of anything. What we're here to do is to understand that we are here to have a relationship with God. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1 and verse 20, it says this, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky through everything God made. They can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. So we understand from the Word of God that the world, the evidence of the world, is enough for people to find God. And here is the fact that people have been searching for God, searching for revelation and understanding of God. We were having this discussion in the car on the way in with, with Gabby. She stayed for the weekend and we were just talking about people searching for God and people who, are, who um, get hear different kind of theologies and understandings. But, but their heart cry is to find God. And so we understand that people are looking for God, but we 
by His grace and not by anything that we have achieved of ourselves, we have found the wonderful, liberating freedom of His grace and the fullness of God. And it is our responsibility to make sure we know Him. If we know Him, others will see Him. If we know Him, they will see us, but they will see God because God is seen in the invisible things of the evidence of His grace working through the world. Through all of creation, God is seen. And it's important to understand He is seen, He is not argued for. And many people will, will want to debate the, the comma, the full stop, the, the implication, the, the, the essence of, of meaning. But, but what often happens is that no one ever comes to an answer because they just go around in circles. I want people to understand that Jesus Christ is a person and He builds a relationship by love and by affection just like anybody else. Father God is a Father who exists for the heartbeat of His children. He broods over us by His Holy Spirit. He is a person and He loves His creation and He yearns for us to have a relationship with Him. We are not here to debate how, where or when. We are here to prove that God is God in us. And that is, a really, that is one of the most important aspects of our lives. You know, when I was growing up, Here's the thing, right? I never doubted God was God. Now, I know many people would, would doubt God is God. Is there a God? Because they start from a, a different starting point. I started from a home life where God was, he played a, a, a critical part of our family life. So I grew up into a place introduced to the, the knowledge of God, the knowledge about God, that God loved us, that he came to save us. I understood that humanity was by nature sinful. I know that we live in a world where sin is, is considered that it's not politically correct. We don't like the idea to suggest people are naturally sinful. Here's the thing. How come when your children are little, you have to train them to be good, not bad? How many of you notice you leave your kids alone? They will go bad every time. <laughs> the, the more you leave them alone, the worse they get. <laughs> the more you spend time with them, the better they get. That's good. Why? The nature of the world is rebellious. We are rebellious by nature. And so we, we need to find God. We need to have a relationship. But here's the thing. In all of our badness, whatever, however you define it, God has not once rejected us. He has not once cast us out. He has not once said there is no hope for you. R rather, He sent His Son that hope might come into the world and that all may come to the knowledge of Christ. That is the wonderful evidence of God. It's the wonderful proof that God loves us. He sent His Son. And so the fact is... There is proof that God loves us and He wants a relationship. It is about a relationship with God. And so when I grew up, I grew up in that environment where I knew God was God. And then I had to kind of work out, what does that mean for me? I always assumed, even though I was bad, you've heard many of the stories, I just assumed that me and God were kind of like this. 
I just had that feeling that God loved me special. I was uniquely special. I, I kind of I had an overinflated opinion of my relationship with God. It took some convincing that that wasn't quite how it worked. But I kind of liked to feel the idea that God uniquely loved me possibly more than anyone else. <laughs> And, and so I, I sort of grew up in that. But here's the thing. What I had to come to understand is that God is God in every aspect of my life. And here's, here's the deal breaker. Here's the deal that we struggle with. We understand that God is God and we have a revelation. Your, the point of impact of God in your life gives you an understanding of God in that arena. But life is, is multi-layered and it's, it's a three-dimensional aspect. of Life comes at us from many angles. Like you can feel love and you can feel hate all at the same time for the same person. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> you, can, you can experience these, these different aspects and so it is with God that you can have a relationship with God and have complete faith in Him. I, I, I had no doubt that because I had a revelation that God loved me, I never weighed upon my heart, my even as an 11-year-old child being arrested for thieving, it never occurred to me that, 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 that God had rejected me for that. I just knew His grace forgave me. I'm, I'm like, me and Jesus, we're fine. Now, I dealt with the thieving. That was the, uh, <laughs> being arrested at 11 is enough to put a shock. <laughs> You're like this to the police station. And then my mother coming and find me. That's what really frightened me. I mean, like, here's a level of fear. Policeman, mother was like, you know, the look on her face, it was her nostrils flaring. It was the... Uh, I knew I was going home for a leathering. And uh, a proper leathering. It was like, and uh, sure enough, you, you don't walk for a week. And uh, <laughs> I changed my ways. But I never doubted God was God in all of that, in, in all of my wildness, in the craziness, of the, in the rebelliousness of the, the just that, that desire to express myself differently. I wanted to kind of, and I never doubted God. But here's the thing, right? I grew up in a home environment that was extremely poor. My father was stricken with an arthritis, which meant that he couldn't work properly. He was a strong in headstrong man, a, a proud man and he just carried on working but he worked painfully slowly, he couldn't uh, create enough income uh, to generate enough, sometimes mum would have to get um, night jobs in, uh, to try and get some income into the house and, and so we lived in a level of poverty right, and so we, we lived on second hand clothes and gifts from the neighbours I remember our, our neighbours would come around and we had a, dad had a rambling down old house that he had bought um, and uh, before he'd gotten really sick and, and uh, so the house was kind of crumbling the property was crumbling and, and, uh, but we would have vegetables in the garden and, and then the, the neighbours would, they would shoot the rabbits and catch the fish in the sea and they would drop them off and, and we kind of existed in this place of enough money to buy a bit of food and, and just pay the bill and everything was kind of just in case and, and, and so when I knew God was God 
in my life. I knew he was God in my life, but I still had to discover that God was still God in the area of provision. I had to get a revelation that, that God had a plan for my life, which meant that I didn't have to be poor even if I had grown up in poverty. I had to get that revelation. that, And that was the big shift because I knew God loved me. I just was, that was my point of contact with God, that he loved me even though I was the person that I was. But, but there was other points of contact that I had yet to experience. But you've got to understand that if God is God in the forgiveness, then he's God in the provision, even if you've never experienced it. We have to understand. See, see, the Bible wants us to understand who God is. When Moses was in the, in the desert and he meets with God at the burning bush, he finds a bush, it's burning. It's not unusual for bushes to burn in the desert. It's hot. Things ignite. And so he goes up to it, but the bush isn't burning. The bush is a light, but it isn't burning. And he wants to have a look. He, he suddenly hears the voice of God. And God speaks to him and commands him to set the people free. And, and that just throws him because he knows about God, but he doesn't really know God. We've got to understand that they've been slaves uh, for, um, uh, forgive me if I think it's 400 years, and they've, they've been slaves, and there's been a silence of God over that time period, and, and they don't really have a relationship with God. Now, God is speaking to Moses, and, and he's asked this question. In fact, Exodus chapter 13, Exodus 13, and verse, uh, sorry, Exodus 3 and verse 13. Exodus 3 and verse 13 says this, But Moses protect, protested, he says, If I go to the people of Israel and tell them, The God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they'll ask me, What's his name? Then what should I tell him? It's a fair question. I mean, you will understand, you think, you will understand that there's been a disconnect with God over this time period. God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember all generations. And here's the thing we have to understand about our relationship with God. God's name is I Am. I am who I am. Now, that's really important for us to get a grip of because if He is the God who heals, then He is the God who provides. If He is the God who saves, He is the God who brings peace. If He is the God who comes out and protects, He is the God who covers your life with a banner. You see, we have to understand that I am. God is I am. That basically means God is. And we have to get an understanding that if God is absolute in all things, then He has to absolutely be God of all of your life. And the struggle that we have in proving God is that we don't have that absolutely going on with God, even though we know He is absolute. And so we have this point of compromise because we haven't made him God of areas. We have held back where we haven't gotten a revelation. And generally our revelation comes at the point of our struggle. The lack of it. See, what happens is this, that 
that if you're struggling with God and you're struggling in an area of your life, well, that's the point that you can kind of go, I don't know whether God is God in this area of my life. Now, if you were ever to argue, I was brought up in a good Christian home, right? So I knew that I couldn't say things like God isn't God. I I knew I couldn't say that because it had been drilled into me as a child in Sunday school. I I, I, I knew the word of God sufficiently in key areas. I knew that the Bible is is the word of God. It's the living word that brings life. I I knew that. It was pure and holy. I knew that God was God of all. That he loved the world. I knew that his son came to set people free. I I knew those things. But, here's the buts that comes in all of our lives. This is the point of proving God. Few of us will ever debate those big questions. What we really tend to debate is, is he God for me? Does he, does he really want to? Will he heal me? Will he, will he open these doors for me? Will he? And we will have, walk in a liberty of relationship with him at the point where we met with God, but there are areas that we've yet to meet with him in our lives. And we have to understand he is the God who says, I am, I am. I am who I am. You know, there are many names for God. And I, I love these names. I've, I've got them listed here. And we have to understand that, you see, the name I am is the fullness of everything. It's the fullness of everything. Jesus um, uh, is said of Jesus, who fills all in all. Jesus Christ, who, who fills all in all. In other words, there, there is no space in the framework of of the universe, whether it be the cells of your body or a far-flung uh, satellite. <laughs> Words escape me right there. Uh, <laughs> a far-flung planet. That's the word I'm looking for. A planetary system. My head was working in two different places at that point. But these far-flung places, right? God fills all in all. All right? So he's in all places, all times, all of the time for you. Difficult to get your head around that one. So we have some names for God. See, the Bible says that he is, now bear with me because this is a little bit of Hebrew. So, El Eloah, God, mighty, strong, prominent. Elohim, God, creator, mighty and strong. El Shaddai, we like that one. You get that one in songs, don't you? It's got a certain poetic ring to it. God Almighty, the mighty one of Jacob. Adonai, that's another one we sing about. Adonai is Lord. It's the, it's the, it's the, it's the, the one they use for the word Lord instead of uh, Jehovah or Yahweh. As we would, uh, is more easily said, um, Yahweh, we would say Yahweh. We often use the word Jehovah. It's the same word. But they would use the word Adonai. It's it's because Yahweh is a word that's so pure, so holy. But to say it, um, if you're sinful, you shouldn't really use his name in vain. So you use the word Adonai. And so Adonai is the word Lord. And so it's kind of, it's another way of saying Lord. And, And then we have Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. And we have Jehovah Rapha, 
the Lord who heals. We have Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. We have Jehovah Makadesh. He's the Scottish Lord. No, he's the... (laughs) The Lord who sanctifies, makes holy. We have Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Oh, I can feel his presence while I'm speaking his name here. We have Jehovah Elohim, Lord God. We have Jehovah Rohi, the Lord our shepherd. We have Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there. I like that one. The Lord, he's there. Where? There. That's where he is. We have Jehovah Sabaoth. The Lord of hosts. El Elyon, Most High. El Roi, God of seeing. El Olam, God, Everlasting God. And El Gibor, Mighty God. What an amazing list of names. But I need you to understand this about God. And the name of God, if He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Well, maybe you got a revelation of His provision. And you, you got, I had to get that revelation. I come to Scotland to, to believe God to plant a church. What we believed in doing, we never had money for. We had to get that understanding. God, you will provide. And He became a Jehovah Jireh. He became the Lord who provides for us in every aspect of our life. And I live by the revelation of the Jehovah Jireh. But what about the Lord who heals, Jehovah Rapha? Well, maybe you can see that He is the God who provides, but you haven't been healed. I need you to understand, He is, I am. If He has provided for you, it is evidence He can heal you. Because He is the fullness. We get our head around this revelation. If He is one thing, then He has to be the other two. Otherwise, He isn't God. You see, here's the thing with God. He can only be the fullness of something or nothing at all. If He is fully God in your life, then we have to understand that we have to submit our life fully to Him. You need to come to the revelation. And here's the amazing truth about the Word of God as it begins to flow through our lives. We have to have that revelation. It's not that we need to prove it to someone else, to to argue that point, but to come and say, I know that my God provides for me. I know that my God heals me. I know that my God is my peace. And if I've never experienced the peace, but I have experienced the healing, then I know by the healing presence of God, I will find the peace. I know by that manner, because God is always God. Here's the thing with uh, children. We've got three children, for those of you who don't know. And uh, we, we're always mum and dad. We're not sort of less mum and dad. Mum and dad who, who cooks the meals, but mum and dad, or mum that washes the clothes and uh, (laughs) provides a home provides love, care, shelter words of advice in times of tension 
We're always all of those things because what are we? We're mum and dad. You're always mum and dad in, in every aspect of life and the kids never doubt that mum and dad, there is a level to mum and dad. There's kind of this limitation. Mum and dad do this or mum and dad, you, you go and in, stay in a hotel, um, you stay in a hotel, the receptionist is not mum and dad, right? So the receptionist will only provide level of service and they will um, make sure you've got clean towels um, they may try and quieten the people next door, uh, but they may not. <laughs> Depends on the hotel. Um, there, there's a level of service, isn't there, that they can provide, and, and you know there's a limitation. You're staying in a building, but, but there's a level. But my kids don't stay in a hotel. They stay in our home. And in our home, they're fully provided for in all aspects. And they never doubt any of that. And you never doubted that as a kid. With your parents, you never doubted... That, see, that's, that's the point. You know that mum and dad are mum and dad. But here's the thing. God is God. He is Father. He has sent His Son. And His Holy Spirit, the Spirit of His Son, is ministering to all of us at all times for us to have a revelation that we might overcome. Now, here's the thing. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12 and verse 11. <clears throat> it says, And they have defeated him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much that they were afraid to die. And they defeated him. Who do they defeat? The enemy. The enemy of your soul. The enemy who speaks doubt into your life. The enemy who says to you, Did God really? He still speaks to us the way he spoke to Adam. Did God? Are you sure? Are you really sure this is going to work out? Are you sure? And it says, and they overcame by what? The word of their testimony. See, here's the thing. You can doubt your struggles, but you can't doubt your victories. You can doubt your struggles. It's very easy to doubt like God. I... Will he heal? I don't know. Will he come through? I don't know. I've never experienced that before in God. That's not a life experience for me. But I know that he saved me. I know that he's with me. Well, the enemy can't take that away from you because it doesn't mean to... He can't say to you, that didn't happen. You're like, hello, I was there. I am a witness to this event. It was me. It happened to. Devil, nick off. Just go somewhere else. You're a liar. And the moment you have a word of testimony, your word of testimony in an area of your life is testimony of God in all of your life. Which means that in any area that you are struggling, you don't have to have experienced something for you to have a great revelation of it. You just have to have the understanding that you have experienced God. And when you have met with God, then you have revelation over everything because God is over everything. And that is the incredible victory that God has got for your life. That we can prove God because He has met with us. We can prove Him because He is around us. God is proven in the circumstances of our life. He's proven... In the, uh, in the decisions we make, even when they are bad decisions. Ever made a bad decision? <laughs> oh, 
Every day. <laughs> we make bad decisions, don't we? We make choices that we wished we hadn't made. And then what happens? We watch God come through and go. And we just see the implications of some of those decisions just being minimized. It's like, Jesus, thank you for saving my neck once again. Thank you for coming through. We see the hand of God ministering to us, leading us through the stormy waters, taking us through those difficult times. We go through life in different circumstances. We go through great storms, but God is always God. He's always God. He's never been any less than God. He cannot be less than the fullness of God in your life. Because without such, He wouldn't be God at all. And you know that He is God because you have met with Him. And if you've met with Him, then He can provide for you. I want you to understand that there is a miracle in your life. Even if you have never seen it, felt it, understood it, got revelation of it, you don't know how it works, you don't know when it will come through. I need you to understand there are miracles in your life because God is a God of miracles. I need you to understand there's healing and protection in your life because that's who He is. That's His name. He cannot be any less than His name. That's who He is. He is defined by His name. His name isn't just a nickname. It's, not a, it's just not like a sort of a, a buzzword about Him. His name is the definition of who He is and what He does. And I want you to understand that the name of God is being spoken over your life. The name of God is being ministered to you. He is your Jehovah. He is, I am, who I am. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com.